Hello and you're very welcome to Kicking Match, a podcast all about the Irish League. My name is Peter Cinnamon and if you thought the past week has seen a couple of scorchers in Northern Ireland, well, the Irish League just said, hold my drink. Three red cards, 21 goals, bucket loads of drama and Lauren Plegg-Lentorn as well. New season means new faces, new kits, and a new sense of optimism and opportunity, which is why you're probably not surprised that it all resulted with the cruising blues on top and the ports and the swifts at the bottom. Just feels like home, doesn't it? This is your one-stop shop for hearing about all that went down this weekend, so do stick around. With such incredible action taking place across this weekend, I required somebody with as much passion and vigour to guide us through all of the many highs and the splattering of some lows. Ronan Keating once said that life is a roller coaster, and if the Irish League was one, well, it probably wouldn't be good for your health and wouldn't really work if it rained too much. But if the Irish League was, in fact, a roller coaster, my guest would want to ride it, and he'd want to ride it all night long. A massive kicking match welcome to journalist and commentator Gareth Hanna. That's a fantastic introduction. That is not how I expected the introduction to go. I love Ronan Keaton. I went to see Boyzone in the Odyssey and begged a girl who was friends with to come with me so that I would have a girl to go with and it would look acceptable and I loved every minute of it. I never told anybody that before. That's just uh, there we go. It's out there now. What an opening statement. Hey. So, were you just a Boyzone fan, or did you follow them on their solo material adventures? Just Ronan, just Ronan. I'm, I'm a Ronan man, but here we are. I agree. What, one man only that you really need to. Great song as well. But, Gareth, uh, the Irish League is back. Anyway, and yeah. Boy, did it deliver. What a cracking weekend of games, except for Lorna Glentorn. Yes. Um, Saturday's games, though, were absolutely fantastic, as I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on. I was at Coleraine. <sighs> And Cliftonville with Philip Major, and we had an absolutely cracking day out. It was just a, a brilliant match, brilliant to be back. Frenetic following it all in. There was red cards, so many goals. It was brilliant, but there's lots of little nerdy things. It was like the first day of the season proper, and, I, and I'm going to use a pejorative term of football nerds like you and I, Mr. Hanna. There's lots of new things that I like. It's like the new kits. There's, there's new squad numbers sometimes. The social media little graphics for each club. They get a wee refresh. Was there anything that stood out to you as being a bit weird or wonderful or or odd? Um, not that I really noticed. Although the on the Korean kit, the numbers are actually fairly easy to see this season, which was always a relief because sometimes cool rain kits, loose stripes can be absolutely horrific. They've had some shockers in the past for journalists. So I was a wee bit nervous heading up there on Saturday. I thought, well, I hope these cool rain kits are okay this year. But thumbs up, Bansiders, they're absolutely fantastic. No complaints. I totally agree with you. They have a big white panel at the back rather than dealing with the stripes. So it's just really easy to see these big blue numbers. There was one year they just had the stripes and red numbers, and it was a nightmare. Impossible. Impossible. Although if we are talking about poor kits... That Nuri one, that's hard going. They waited until the penultimate night to release it and there's so many sponsors on it, it looks like it should be in like League 2 or something. So made by O'Neill's, they've, they've went for the stripes and it almost kind of has this painted effect. So many little sponsors, each to their own. I kind of like that, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like something from Bundesliga 2 or something. Oh, I yeah. like that. I'm a fan of that. I'm on board. One thing that stood out to me this weekend as well was the attendance across the board. 
Five out of the six games had over a thousand people at them. And half of them, three games, had over two and a half thousand. I know that's just luck of the draw of the home ties that were being played, but that's massive, even for opening day. That's huge. Yeah, no, it is. It's absolutely brilliant and interesting um, to sort of note Mick McDermott's comments afterwards to sort of say, you know, he used that as a bit of a push for summer football and saying, would we, will we get a repeat of these figures for the same fixtures in January and February? He doesn't think so. And, you know, um, I probably would agree with him. I don't know if I agree with his overall stance in summer football. I don't really know what I think, but it's certainly interesting. And uh, the fixtures that the, the got and the attendances definitely um would sort of make you think it would make you wonder do you know would it be like that every all the time if if there was a, a summer season who knows but uh the that was brilliant the atmosphere at Korean was just it uh, was just absolutely top notch and the place was absolutely packed there after so uh yeah it was great ah, look bonged look bonged amazing and it's you can see how some of these clubs are really growing and and they're getting the fan bases out but there was action that happened and we need to get into the nitty-gritty and we start at a game which the pairing it's my new favorite rivalry it's the mid-table melee the bruising blue beatdown a poor sports journalist would say it's never boring when these two teams meet but they're starting to get a reputation for it Balamina against Glenavon madness 2-2 two red cards for Glenavon this is what this league's all about just drama 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 it's always been a mental fixture that I remember going back maybe seven or eight years and two or three times within two or three seasons Glenavon put eight on them and it was just like there's just they're always mental games between Balamina and Glenavon and uh, Saturday was uh, was no different I couldn't believe it I was on commentary at the end and the producer shouted through into my ear Grant's had an equaliser go over and on the radio I couldn't stop myself I was like Grant you couldn't have had an equaliser interestingly and we'll get to the other games that have had this unique trait about it but you were there on boxing day for i'm sure what will be famous for glenavon fans the borderline glenavon fixture were glenavon go one nil in front peter campbell immediately gets a red card minutes later like he scores and then just decides to just go for a big tackle and then robbie gark gets sent off no surprise there and poor down fans are thinking We've got, and it's all in the first half, we've got 60 minutes to get a goal back here and win this game. And and Ports never had a shot, it felt like, that game. They could have played for two weeks and they wouldn't have scored. Absolutely not. And then, Balamina looked brilliant. Two to the good. They let one in at halftime. But down the nine men. And, and you know what, I, I, I looked at that and I thought, you know what, that, that isn't dead. That hasn't been put to bed yet at 2-1 at with, with nine men. Like it must be embarrassing for the the Balamina players, and it's something Glenavon guy Hamilton knew all about from uh, was it probably four or five years ago now. I don't know if you remember Linfield went down to nine men at Mornby Park and did the same thing. Came back in that game with nine men against Glenavon. So, you know, it sort of happens more often than you than you think it should. And uh, yeah, it's going to be one that's going to take a while for the Balamina players to get over. Not least, um, the wasn't it. Uh, Ross Redman with the back pass in the last minute. That, yeah. yeah, like you sort of think there, why are you taking any chances? Do you know? Just yeah. hoof it up the field as far as you can. But it was it was a terrible back pass. I'm sure he'll be replaying that one all week. An embarrassing one for them, but an ideal way to finish the game for Glenavon, obviously. And uh, because if you if you lose that game, you've had two men sent off 
if you're Glenavon, you're sort of thinking, oh, here we go. This is going to be a fun season then. Um, and it maybe just gives them the wee lift they needed. And and in what is such a big game, because, you know, I find it hard to see either of these two teams being anywhere else other than seventh and eighth at the end of the season. So uh, in my head, those two are already vying for that uh, final European playoff place. It's like the earliest, I said last week about uh, Carrick and, and Nuri. I feel like that's, again, one of the early six-pointers of <laughs> of the season you could possibly Must be. win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe, like, I was thinking about why this fixture's becoming such a drama fest, so entertaining. I, I was there near the end of, of last season when it was 3-3 at the showgrounds, three red cards, two for Glenavon again and one for Balamina that day and I was thinking why is it that this fixture seems to bring this up is it because both need and want to win you know because if Carrick's going to Linfield like they're not flooding men forward for, for both those teams they're, they're both going for it you know a draws not enough most times and maybe they're just at the right level of both teams have a lot of quality but both teams also have the ability just to do something mental and, and, and completely cock something up. So maybe they're just at that perfect level where you are guaranteed loads of goals and guaranteed something crazy to happen. So but yeah, maybe Balamina and Glenavon is just the perfect football fixture. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's like foosball, two, two even sides, and we're all playing at the table just in different colours of blue. I said earlier on about how the game played out. Balamina rush into a two-goal lead. Didn't have to do much to get those goals. First one came from Ran Wade. He headed in. Paul McElroy nipped up, headed it in. And then Jordan Gibson getting the best of Danny Wallace. That's not easy done. Danny yeah. Wallace, in my mind, is one of the best defenders in the league. But the way Jordan Gibson took that goal was absolutely superb. I don't know what you think of Jordan Gibson, but I think he's going to be a smashing signing for Balamina. Like he probably flew under the radar for a lot of people at Carrick last year. He got a handful of goals, maybe about seven or eight league goals, I think, last year. And But I think he's going to get a lot more playing for, for Balamina. And, like an absolute nightmare to mark. And he's going to be in a team where he gets service now because any game you saw him last year, he was just chasing lost balls and, you know, but you could tell the quality is there. I think he's going to be an absolute cracker for Balamina this year. I agree. I saw a few of those big character performances and it always seemed to be when the pressure was on. Obviously, he has the height and the stature. I think for that second goal, Danny Walsh just got caught out a wee bit. But, you know, Balamina are sitting tight at home, great preseason, good feel, good feeling around the club. And then it's almost the end of first half injury time. Big long throw. Balamina don't deal with it. It bounces in and there's Peter Campbell to whip it home. Game on in the second half. You get the two red cards I have to talk about. Owen Bradley's one. He, he's in the six-yard box and he's got the Balamina defender, Connor Keeley, at his back. And there's a bit of kind of a, a shove from Keeley. But then Bradley just swings his arm back and it hits Keeley in the chest and, and Keeley falls down. But it's hard if you're the referee in that situation to not go... That's a red. That's that's a. I wouldn't call it. A, it's a strike, really. Yeah, it's an easy decision for the referee. He has, he has no decision. He has to send him off. And like, can can you imagine when I think Gary Hamilton after the game said he sort of just hadn't really seen it and wanted to watch it back, didn't he? But can you imagine when you're Gary Hamilton watching that back, going like, what is going on here? What three? Like he was on the pitch three minutes, wasn't he? It's yeah. Your new your new and thirty eight year old should know a bit better than that, but also. Owen does have that in him like he has so much quality and I think he's going to 
I think he really suits Glenavon actually as a signing. I know Absolutely. he is 38, but he, Glenavon play the long ball and there's nobody better, not many better in the league to play a long ball too than Owen Bradley, but he also has this just this streak in him where something like this can happen. And Guy also said after the game that they basically if he watched it back and realised that the decision was right, two-week fine. So yeah. uh, there we go. Good start to Glenavon. Second stint at Glenavon for Owen. <laughs> Well, that's what he, he was saying, that uh, if he could find both players more than two weeks' wages, he could. He was that frustrated. And I, and you know that Gary is rarely at peace after a game, regardless, win or draw, you know. So maybe the passion was running through him. But to talk about the second red card, again, when it rains, it pours for, for Glenavon. I don't know about this one. Andy Doyle comes in. I've seen it from both angles now. You see, when there's a tackle by the byline, it always looks a bit... Bit yeah. worse, you know, because the fans are going, "What's going on?" You're thinking, "Why is he dived in there?" It's a fifty-fifty ball. He's went in for it. He's got the ball with his left boot, but yeah. then he, he's kind of swung the right one at the same time to to kick it away. So it looks two-footed. I don't think it was two-footed. In like normal time, it looks quite bad and sort of like, oh, what happened there? That was a bit full-blooded. But for me as well, watching it first time, it was that right leg. You're like, oh, what happened there? But then you watch it in the replay and you go, well, he's definitely not off the ground. And actually the right leg doesn't even swing around as much as you sort of think it does. To me, he got the ball. It's a good tackle. There wasn't even that much follow-through when you watch it in slow motion for me. I don't think, I, I think in, in no way do I think it was a red card. To be honest, I think Andrew Doyle is very hard done by there. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy, and I, I feel for him. But it does look worse from the referee's position looking on because he's not seeing as much. From I've only event. seen it from the, the camera in the away stand. That's the only yeah. angle I've seen it from. So so I think that's where I, I'm probably more forgiven. It. And you just see it, a snapshot. But they're down to that. And, you know, my goodness, Balamina had chances. You know, Ross Revan should have buried it with a header. He had a completely free in the box from a corner in the first half. On mark. David McDade, he was a mile free in the second half, running on into the box. He had the goal in front of him. And uh, this was a bit of a tepid, tepid shot, didn't go anywhere. And then the ball cannoned off Connor Keeley's chest at a corner in the second half. And there was niggles throughout the game. But let's talk about that goal. The goal that feels like a winner times 10, even though it just built back to be a draw. Ross Ribbon picks it up. He's probably about 30 yards out. And he kind of looks up and he's got a player chasing him. And he's on the left-hand side and he, and, he, and he passes back. And it looks as though it's a pass back more towards Sean O'Neill in the goal. But it, is it one of his centre-backs? But then it's right in between the centre-backs. And, you know, he's a young, probably not that well-known player. But Aaron Pendergast comes in. Oh, how well did he take that? Just sweeped it in. First-time touch. Rolled it in at that corner. And he wheels away. What an incredible way to kickstart him! Like I don't, I don't know much about him myself either. But um, I know that Glenavon could do with a, with a goal scorer. So uh, maybe that can can kickstart him. As I say, I don't know much about him, but it'll be interesting to see how he does get on this season. And uh, I just really feel for for Ross Redman. I think Dave Jeffrey afterwards said something about sort of just. Fairly, fairly uh, diplomatically about a bad decision and as I said earlier just if you're Ross in that place just wrap your foot around it and get it as high up the pitch as you can because it was proper last minute stuff if you get it up the pitch and Balmain a player wins it it's probably game over Um, while you're taking the, the risk to go back to your own goalkeeper at that stage I think uh, but like I know Ross well he'll uh, 
he'd be feeling that one. And um, Ross has been absolutely superb uh, for Ball. I mean, it must be said as well since he joined there. So um, I think they can hopefully let him away with that one. Well, we had our first bitterly disappointed of the season <laughs> from David Jeffrey. This was him speaking to Balamina TV after the game. Inexplicable how we couldn't see the game out. I've always made it uh, my principle that I praise in public and criticise in private. So I'm not going to go into detail what was said, but that was the longest and hardest pre-season I've put a group of men through. With seven weeks of really tough pre-season, primarily to get people to be mentally stronger and to be able to hold on to situations that we've had today. And to say that I'm bitterly disappointed, to say that I'm angry, would be a total understatement. I just can't for the life of me fathom why we did what we did for the equalising goal. You concentrate for 90 minutes, for 91, 92, 93, 94, whether it's 45, 46, 47, 48. You know, it's not as if we need to have the, the lessons taught us and retaught us. You know, have people suddenly forgotten the, the Crusaders you know, Cup final? I certainly haven't. You would like to think that people would learn from that. And the evidence of today, that, that, that lesson is still to be learned. He's not happy. He says he's not happy. He seems furious. He's talking there about how he doesn't want to criticise in public. But you can see he's angry there. And Ross Redmond does seem to be where he's pointing that frustration with. But this has happened to Balamina before. He, he says it there. Not only do they give a goal away at the very end of first half injury time, they give away this equaliser on the 94th minute. And of course, we, as he said, we have to go back to the cup final. Right at the death at the second half where Crusaders get the goal to bring it the extra time. And then pretty much, I think it was the last kick of the ball. Yeah, the last kick, yeah. yeah you know, I, oh, you have to pay so sorry for them even going back to that cup final. Like, I, I I, feel like I'm not over that yet, but I'm in no way about it. Well, I'm, I'm not a Ballerina fan. I'm not anti-Ballerina. I've said that in a weird way, but I'm not, you know, I just feel like I'm not even over that. Just, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was watching that cup final. Just like, oh my word, what is going on? Because it happened to them once before as well. I think it was maybe a league, was it a league cup final? Um, against Cliftonville, they nearly had it one, and then Cliftonville scored twice in injury time to win it. So it's like I, I, I just feel like the poor Balamina fans must wonder what they've all done in uh, their previous lives to deserve all this bad luck that they've been getting the last year or two. We've talked about teams who always seem to get goals at the end, Fergie time. Is this the ultimate? opposite of it our Balamina they can have a three goal lead and we're like oh my goodness just blow the whistle there's 10 minutes to go I can't deal with this oh well that will give Glenavon plenty of vigour going in Hutsa going into the next game um, they have they're welcoming Lauren to Mournview for their first home fixture and Balamina they get to go in the unveiling of the brand new fancy carpet at Dungannon they'll want to pick up again with that because I still think I like Balamina for the season ahead but oh, that that could be a blow for them moving forward difficult game yeah absolutely although I think after the way that finished um, uh, I think Balamina might be a decent bet no disrespect to Dungallon after after what happened with David Jeffrey as a manager there I think uh, yeah Balamina might be a decent bet for a wee away win this weekend come on we've dwelled this a bit but I, I really want to put this to you we talked about those other games where Glenavon have had two red cards uh, in a game like that. 
what is it is it just they're they're going in there is it bad luck is it just passion or when it boils over it's just you know that Gary Hamilton talked about that at the end of last season the start of this one how that was frustrating and big games that he, he had these red cards he's got got away with it but I'm sure he's thinking this is this is an issue because not only is it in the game where they are important games but now he's going to be without those players for a couple of games now is it is it just these are passionate players and this is how this team works or yeah like i mean if you think well the two games that we've spoken about there this saturday and the unboxing day last year like i mean one well probably three of those four you would have to say were pretty stupid owen bradley's was stupid yeah uh robbie guards if i remember maybe i'm doing doing him a disservice but it was a deserved one for a bad tackle wasn't it i'm i'm testing my own memory now but i, I think from memory that wasn't the it wasn't a pretty one that one not in particular either of the red cards i've seen the one at shamar park or the one at the showgrounds last season and then peter campbell's was just his was just naive unboxing day he just scored a goal he was absolutely buzzing in a derby and then just went in over the top of the ball basically but and then you have andrew doyle who we've said probably didn't deserve to get sent off so so yeah perhaps there's there's just a bit of a a bit of an well there is a bit of an issue there even gary's saying about it and you have players like andrew doyle and, and robbie garrett and bradley do you know probably there if there's three players if you said at the start of the season they'll all get sent off at some stage in the season you go i probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but you know but but like for a player guy i mean he's talking openly about fines he's making sure everybody knows the situation and it's obviously something he's he's trying to to be very open about and to address um and uh yeah he knows it's an issue so we'll 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 watch that eagerly as the season goes on we shift gears, we go to a game uh, that you were at, and a fantastic result for the Bandsiders, really just taking Cliftonville apart. You were at the game. What was it? Was it a case that Coleraine were just that good, or were Cliftonville somewhat architects of their own downfall? Well, uh, like all games, I suppose, a bit of both. So the first half hour, there was not much to, to write home about, really. But then Coleraine clicked into gear. And for the final hour, we'll probably say that they were worthy, worthy winners of that game. And and we'll talk in, in a minute about how good Coleraine were in a lot of areas. But in terms of Cliftonville being architects of their own downfall, right from the team sheet, we I was there with Philip Majors, I said, and, and we thought it was a little bit strange because like we sort of joked looking at the team sheet we're like what is this is this a 424 what's going on here um because you had the uh, my uh my memories left me but you had two center midfielders in there you had cricky gallagher and uh, oren casey playing beside him and then you had four really out and out attackers you'd ronan hale gormley ryan curran and uh, jamie mcdonough and we just sort of looked at that and thought this could be interesting and it was and they did get overrun in in midfield and they didn't and as a result of that Cliftonville had to resort to long balls like every time Cliftonville had the ball particularly in the first half would would it pass about the defense for a while and invariably it would end up with the fate of Johnny Alice who would just lump it forward to absolutely nobody and that was it um which obviously isn't like Cliftonville at all and to be fair to Paddy McLaughlin obviously he rarely ever gets it wrong and I think he realized because at halftime he brought on Ronan Doherty and that helped uh, an awful lot 
the other aspect then of Cliftonville sort of uh, doing themselves a disservice was just how often they lost the ball in the final third because Coleraine time and time again kept winning the ball in that final third and that's how they got uh, wasn't it I'm trying to remember it was the first or the second goal I think it, it was the it was, the, it was their second goal then Ed McLaughlin's second goal he won the ball rounded a defender and stuck it in the bottom corner and literally about 90 seconds later Lyndon Keane did the same thing played a 1-2 and should have scored and there was that was maybe three or four times Coleraine won it off the defence in the first half the same in the second half which just strange you know not like Cliftonville at all um so there is definitely that strange aspect about it from their point of view. But but Coleraine, to their credit, they've had a, a crack in summer of signings. The two guys from Lauren, the two guys from Cliftonville, and, and Evan McLaughlin coming in on loan from Derry. He scored the two goals in the first half, obviously, and looks a cracker, an absolute cracker, uh, coming in from the right wing. Really pacey, really direct, and looks a, a finisher. Um, looks like somebody who every time he gets the ball is going to look and see where the goal is and see if he can have a, a pop, which every team needs. And... Uh, so an impressive summer and that translated in the pitch because all of the new signings who played were really impressive. Like if you take the two guys from Lauren, Dean Jarvis and Lee Lynch, I think I'm maybe not the only one who's a little bit surprised to see Lauren letting those guys go. And uh, they showed why Lee Lynch just was everything in midfield that Cliftonville lacked in the first half. He was getting on the ball every time Cole ran the ball. He was dropping there to give his defenders an option and playing it forward and linking everything. And we knew that he can score goals. Dean Jarvis just looked so accomplished at left back as well. So a lot of, uh, of good signings coming in for Korean. And I think, uh, well, the finish six last season, I would be absolutely shocked and amazed if they're not higher than that this season. And perhaps um, there'd be a good bet for a, a cup victory. If not, do you know, who knows, if not a real, real serious go at the, at the title this year? They came so close a few years ago. And there seems to be this run of teams. It was Balamina a few years ago, then it was Corrine, and then it was it was Cliftonville last season. And and, and at the end they, of it all, Linfield win. But you haven't. That's the thing. They've stayed true, but the, that team they've fallen back. The next year they haven't pushed on and haven't been as clinical. Ha- haven't been able to repeat their their fortunes. Is it a case now where they're ready? They've reset. They've reloaded, and they're ready to go again. Yeah, like it, it very much looked like that on Saturday. Obviously, you don't want to, uh, you do you don't want to read too much into one match. But like their squad on paper is very impressive. If you look through the squad that they have, you, you know you would say, well, yeah, that's a squad that should challenge for the league title and and probably will be. Even when you look at how many strikers they have, they have about fifteen strikers, and each of them are are brilliant. They just have so much strength and depth now. You sort of, that uh, Philip Major was was talking to me on Saturday and just sort of saying, you know, he even wonders. Do they have too much depth? Is it going to be an issue for them keeping all these players happy? But do you know it, it can only be a good for, thing for them. I think really having that that strength because that's in my mind where Linfield win out. They always have they usually have the best squad, and that's what what sees them through. So I'm certainly going to be watching Coleraine with a lot of interest over the course of the season, and uh, I'll say say no more than that because I don't want to be accused of scudding them. <laughs> You're right there. This doesn't feel like they've had such depth before. And, of course, they always seem to find a young gem somewhere. And that's been a team which has had to reset quite a lot. They have lost big players over the years. And that's probably why they haven't been able to keep themselves consistent. But it's all about the here and now and the squad they've got. And you mentioned 
Lee Lynch, who came from Lauren, he just seemed to run the show in midfield. Persistent running, neat one-twos, and he set up Evan McLaughlin's first, but Cliffin looked poor at the back for that first one and the second one in particular. It was just first dead. So, so unlike them, so unlike them, because they've they've obviously got Luke Turner and Johnny Addis in there at centre-half, who were just both revelations last season, so... Yeah, like just a bad day at the office for them. I don't think any Cliftonville fans are going to be reading into that too uh, too harshly, given how good they were last season. But yes, certainly, if you'd never seen them playing before, you would sort of be uh, be wondering what the crack was. Just neither of them looked at themselves at all. And is it a hangover from going so close and not getting over the line last season? I don't know. I mean, I think if I was in their position, I'd probably find, like I'm a Liverpool fan and I have I'm struggling to get any interest going for this season because I just feel mentally exhausted from last season. So I just wondered, you know, is it human nature if you're one of the Cliftonville lads to feel that way a little bit? I'm sure they don't. But uh, but I'm just looking back at a tweet here that a Korean fan, Chris Gray, had sent me last night because I just tweeted about the game and just we're talking about that depth. And he points out no Brown, no O'Donnell, no Dean, no Lowry, no McKendry all not in the squad yesterday and those are guys who were all you know nailed on starters last season and a lot of them probably uh, would be starting in the strongest team and they looked that good without those five guys yesterday is uh, is very very impressive indeed how did you find Lyndon Kane in the midfield that was big talk going into it would he move into it yeah I like it a lot I like it a lot he has so much energy and actually he was the one in midfield who looked most likely to get forward yesterday um, at times the other guys even Jamie Glack and, and Lee Lynch as I said was dropping deep and Lincoln played it's a good thing but at times uh, both he and Glack and Glack in particular he sort of dropped deep too often nearly and you're sort of thinking get yourself up the pitch a little bit whereas uh, Lyndon was as you would expect as he is used to doing it right back was just up and down the whole game and provided so much energy in there um, and and he's good going forward Uh uh, he can put a tackle. He is everything to be a good midfielder. I remember a lot of years ago when Reese Marshall was still at Lanavan uh, and Gary Hamilton moved him in the midfield. It was just shortly before he left. I remember Gary saying Reese Marshall is going to be the best centre midfielder in the country. And I think Linton has that potential about him as well. He started off at a right back, but you think he is everything about him and can he influence the game? That a little bit more even in centre midfield. I don't see why not. I think it's I think it's going to be very very successful. And fingers crossed, both he and uh, and Conor McDermott stay fit, so we can actually we can see how how it goes for the rest of the season. The Zanetti of the Irish League moving in the midfield from fullback. You know, it's not just about Trent Alexander. This is this is the league where we're pushing our our top wing backs Absolutely. in the midfield. For sure. Uh, Cliftonville looked to reset things against Carrick at Solitude next uh, weekend. And meanwhile, Coleraine travelled to Portadown. A game full of goals happened at Seaview. Crusaders got off to possibly the best start they could by just walloping Dungannon. Ben Kennedy was the star man. Big question is, did he score two or three? Where do you fall onto this debate? Are you giving him the hat trick? Absolutely. I don't even see why it's a big question. Surely his hitter was definitely on target, was it not? There's no oh. way it was going wide. So therefore, if it's on target, it's his goal. It doesn't matter how sort of ridiculous that is that it's his goal because, I mean, the goalkeeper is definitely going to save it. But the rules are rules. If the hitter's on target, it's his goal. It felt like a big header. Brennan Barr, he had a, a good, good old whack yeah. at that. 
he certainly did. He certainly did. But at the same time, the header is going on target. So therefore, it doesn't matter. Part of the strikers union. Is that what you are, Mr. Hanna? <laughs> absolutely. And a big Ben Kennedy fan. I think he's absolutely magic. Well, um, I, I don't, don't know. No, I think 100% his goal. Uh, wait, do you not? I thought there was a fur a fur whack on the head of Brendan Barr where I could see it go. It's just too firm a touch but I, I guess I understand if it's supposed to go we need it's... to know where the line is I thought it was just if the header's on target that's it game okay. over I would love for him to get a hat trick as he's in both my fantasy teams so absolutely far away he's a part of the kick and match dreamers which I'll talk about later on I want Ben Kelly to score and, I, and that's I had massive confidence in him that's why he's in both of my fantasy teams aka the Sunday Life one and the Niffle one uh he was amazing by all counts he played higher up the pitch almost in a false nine or we calling it kind of role so that's where he was getting in on it uh he got we're now saying according to us three goals the man he got two others who else but Paul Heatley? He's, this is massively old, 35 years old now this season. It's been 10 years since that move from Carrick. In my eyes, he is one of the best Irish League players of a generation. I think for a lot of people, he, he'll be one of the one of the top players. Few players have dominated a league quite like him. He's still knocking them in and they look great. Yeah, he's still going to get bucket loads of goals this, this season he's got 10 league goals in the last three seasons you know each season I think and I, I would back him to get more than that this season again I, I think um, he's obviously just so so impressive and uh, but really the fact that he's not the main man anymore says it all about how good Ben Kennedy is and he is a, a cracker Ben Kennedy for me is potentially the best player in the league if you're picking a, a draft of Irish league players I think Ben Kennedy's quite possibly the first pick at the minute. I think he's just, he is that good ability-wise. I mean, that goal he scored from, like, what was it, 40 yards or 35 yards out at the touchline. Like, he makes that look quite easy because the goalkeeper's out of possession, but it's absolutely not easy. Um, And and as soon as he's shaping up for it, you're going, there's no chance he's missing this because it's Ben. And he's going to get lots of, you mentioned that he's playing that false nine, which is interesting because I did see him playing that um, a few times last season. Um, and the crews struggled for goals at times last season. Um, it'll be interesting to see just how uh, how often he is played there and what the plans for him are. But he certainly has the ability and uh, 12 league goals he managed last season. And I think, um, well, he's already a quarter of the way there. So I think he's definitely going to get more than that this year. And I think he's only, like, well, I don't even know what age he is, but 23, 24, he's only going to get better. I mean, he's... Uh, He's probably the age now that Paul Heatley was when he first joined the, the Cruiser, <laughs> maybe slightly younger. So if he can go on and have the, the decade that Paul Heatley's just had, yeah, that'll do all right for Crusaders fans. Yeah. If they can keep hold if they can if they can uh, if they can keep hold of him. I think they would take half the player that Paul Heatley's been for them for the past past ten years. But not to pour cold water onto it, if there is a team, according to last season stats, that you wanted to fire a few goals past it's Dungannon. They let in the most last year and they're now starting off on a bad foot. It felt as though that they were going to change that. They brought new people in this year. Uh, they brought 
even more new faces in the lead up to this weekend and he thought you know what these are the type of names that could push them away from that relegation area they don't even need to worry about that with the likes of ones that just came in you had ruddy came a few weeks ago darren cole came in michael o'connor as well very impressive signing like any team in the bottom six would snap at the chance to sign them so absolutely obviously that's something that, that dean's keen to change and maybe it was just bad day at the office and trying to get all those players stitched together like of ruddy cole gary breen he was injured for a lot of last season so not a great start but they'll want to change it and i think they will not a great start but i i certainly think they're going to get get better than that and i think like you they're not going to be involved in that relegation battle i find it uh, very hard to to see them as relegation contenders considering those signings that they have and um dean looks like a, a good young manager and obviously gets some playing good football and fair play to him for that and they're not going to have to play crusaders at Seaview every week moving across the city and we'll go to the first game of the porta doolan era proper he's got his players in and uh, it started very much like it continued last season with a very per result. They played on Sunday against a Linfield team whose preseason felt it started like in May or something. And it was a walk in the park for David Healy's men. Exactly what you'd want to do on a Sunday afternoon. Linfield will ultimately have tougher tests than this this season. And Portadown will hope it gets easier from now. I was at this game. I don't think Linfield needed to do much to win it put it on where definitely a part of their own mistakes part of their own downfall they didn't really force the issue a lot with limfield and similar last season poor down looked toothless up front but when you're having an onslaught of the attacking talent that that linfield has like Joel Cooper just ran the show there at Windsor Park. He was left of a three, and you'll you'll see some of the goals where he just takes on the defender, looks up, and just makes things happen. This is a team filled with depth and strength, and it was a dominating performance from the champions. It's hard to see past them again, isn't it? Really, um, like I certainly think so. It's just, if anybody can, I think Michael said this last week, but if anybody finishes above Linfield, they're going to win the league because Linfield will obviously not be far away. And really, I just, I struggle to see anybody else being able to to finish above them. The only thing for me that would make it interesting is if they make it into the group stage of the Conference League, because then it adds a whole new kettle of fish for them to deal with for the first two or three months of the season. Um, that no Irish League club has ever had to deal with before. So if they manage to do that, then I think that actually would make the league more interesting. But uh, they probably have a difficult enough task uh, in terms of that. But who knows? I certainly wouldn't put it past them to win that tie they have coming up against what isn't it, Latvian opposition. Um, Let's just leave it at Latvian opposition. I don't want to even... I heard <laughs> Portadown have a few new players that have come in and there was a big, massive... Uh, triple substitution by Paul Doolan around the R mark. It was 2-0 down and I think Doolan knew that it was over and he just wanted to throw some bodies on. Portadown's preseason uh, has been purred to say the least. Some of their defeats yeah. has been 
uh, not great and fans were panicking but from what I saw and I reported a lot on Portadown last season it feels as though that's a better team a better squad than they had last season look out for the likes of Russell on the wing he's really sharp but it's hard to judge Portadown where they are right now but they've got a, a really tough lead in right now to start of the season when you've such a big turnover of players, it's always going to be a difficult start, let alone going to Linfield in the, the first straight end of the season. But yeah, like obviously the jury, the jury is very much out on that. You think they're a better side than last season, which will be, be good news for, for poor down fans. But it's uh, it could be a difficult season ahead, really. When you look at the quality throughout the league, do you know they're, it's it's going to be another battle against relegation, isn't it, probably for, for poor down? No, no doubt, no doubt. I think it's not just them. Them getting better is great for them, obviously. But then I was thinking, okay, so what makes them stronger is probably they're more cohesive at the back now with Upton and, and McNally back and they've got a new left back and they're struggling on right back who to figure that out. But they've got wing play now. But like I said earlier on, they, who is going to score the goals for them? There's this drama over Sally right now. He's been put on the transfer list. Not that he's ever really been a prolific player in this league anyway. If, even if he was around, I, I wouldn't be saying they're sorted. Uh, we'll talk later on about Carrick. They've got Curtis Allen. I think Ports are just screaming out for Give us a striker who scored 10 goals in this league at any point. Doesn't matter if he scored 10 goals at some point, that will help because we've got better players around there. I, th- I think would be perfect because Andrew Mitchell's up at Korean and I mentioned earlier about how many strikers they have. Andrew Mitchell wasn't even in the squad I saw on that. Saturday for Korean, which just, um, it, it's just, it's sad for him because he's obviously a much better player than that, a player who deserves to be playing every week in the Irish League. And we saw what he could do when he was top player for the whole league when he was at Dungannon. And we saw just what he can do. It would probably be difficult for it to ever happen, but I would love to throw somebody like him into Ported Iron or even Dungannon's lineup now just to see uh, do you know, the damage that he could do again and to see him get back to himself again because even at Glenavon he didn't have it all his own way and then he went to Glentour and didn't get enough football and and I'm just hoping that, that something happens at Coleraine because I've no doubt he has a quality if he can get a chance at Coleraine I wouldn't be surprised even to see him forge his way in and get plenty of starts up there I'm just hoping that he does that but if it doesn't happen then um, perhaps that's exactly the type of person that Portadown would dream of of being able to, to tempt in and get up there We'll have to see the have a a bit more time left to try uh, uh, and sort that if they can. Quickly, just highlighting on to Linfield's, not really striker woes. They have plenty of, of players moving forward, but there's been lots of talk in the preseason just about who is going to be the main man leading the line. And he got man of the match, Ethan Devine. He got a goal as well. From what I saw, properly live in person from the start. He's big, he's strong, he throws himself about. He has to be in contention now strongly to say, I should be your main man of this three. He, he suits that number nine role. There's plenty of people who want it, but it can be interesting to see that when does he progress from super sub to the main man? Because that'll be the aim. Yeah, no, it will be. And he got so many key goals for them for them last season, didn't he? Especially in the running. If it wasn't for Ethan Devine, Linford wouldn't have won the league. Um. And I, I must admit, I don't think I've ever seen him playing. Just the way my comedy matches have fallen, I don't think I've I've actually seen him playing yet. Um, so it will be interesting to get a look at him in, in person at some stage in the near future, hopefully. But he's still a young guy, and uh, big step up for him, obviously coming up to to Linfield from the lower leagues. And 
but did so well last season. Scored in Europe as well, didn't he, over the summer? Absolutely. And, uh, and, and got that goal on Saturday. So, um, as you say, Linfield probably just for the last wee while have, have struggled to get that striker who does well, but stays. Obviously, she and Lavery did well, probably since Andy Waterworth, who was there for so many years. It's sort of been that ongoing changing over the last the last couple of seasons who the main man is. And maybe Ethan Devine is that man who can can step up and actually stay there and be Linfield's main man for the next number of years. be interesting to see. No doubt. Chris McKee and Robbie McDade will have something to say about that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I forgot about Robbie McDade. Goodness me. Yeah, and you're talking about struggling for strikers. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're struggling to pick who they wanted to be. Ported Islanders looking at Cole Rain and... <laughs> <laughs> and Linfield and, and everybody that's been like any spare like we'll carry that one of them home just like you won't even notice like you won't even notice they're not there but we'll let them score against Carrick for us and, and, we'll, and we'll see what they can do this could be a big game in regards to what happens to Porter Down Carrick Rangers against Newry let's talk about the thing that everybody's talking about Gareth that pitch what's going on there it's very very sandy I thought I thought you were going to say that goal of the season, but we'll start. We'll start off with the pitch. Bit switch. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's never been uh, it's never exactly been the best pitch in the league, has it? With so many artificial surfaces coming into the league now, Carrick's one where you sort of look at it and go, mm, maybe not a bad idea for them. Um, is, it, is this like a, a a version of a go slow being like? It's the best. We really tried. We I promise we really tried. First game of the season. Just a dust zone wasn't wasn't great. Maybe that maybe that'll be good for later in the season where it's so dry. Even in November or January, it'll just stick up. But we all know that's not how it works. But let's talk about this screamer. Oh my goodness! I'm sure Newry fans were doing backflips. What? Like no harm as well though. Like ridiculous. What, what was, was he doing off? shooting? What was he doing shooting? I know. It's if grand, I was a fan and he was shaping up for that, I'd be like, oh, for goodness sake, he's going to hit this. Fair play to him. He has a lot of pedigree. I actually started off my uh, journalistic career reporting in the uh, the Banbridge Leader at the time, and he was at Rathfrey and Rangers and was uh, was getting rave reviews at the time. And um, you know, was it was a big player for them in the top of the the amateur league. And wasn't he at Dungannon briefly in the Premiership before this? It feels like a player who's been about for a while. I have a feeling he had a little brief for it at Dungannon maybe last year or the year before. Uh, so, so he, it, you know, it's not the first time. And uh, he has the qualities. He's shown that. What a goal. Like, if he uh, if he can do that again, um, he'll certainly start to make a name for himself. And uh, it's already put the marker down for goal of the season, hasn't it? Like, it's, it's already hard to see that, that being bettered. By the way, that, that tapping in the background uh, was uh, Mr. Hanna, I think, trying to look up Transfer Mart to see yeah, what, is, what is see history every journalist ever trying to see. Uh, uh, absolute marker. Because there we are. He, he was at Dungannon. For, yeah. for, I knew he was. I just wanted to check that. <laughs> for those who don't, uh, who haven't seen it yet, you must. But uh, if you haven't, then you're just sitting down with us. Um, like, it's easy for... 40, 45 yards out. The ball bounces to him. He just looks up and he goes, I gotta whack this. And just takes it on the half volley. But one thing that makes it so amazing, how high the ball got. Like, it was so... It was, like, really high. And then, can I also give a very small um, uh, supporting actor role to uh, Ross Glendinning? <laughs> like, 
if Thomas Lockhart gets goal of the season, Ross Glendinning deserves to stand there with a wee mini bottle of champagne with the award because he made that look so much better. He did, he, he did the full dive and it was he like, did. it looked amazing. It helps, you know. <laughs> if he just kind of fell, it wouldn't be as good. But he, he went in a no. full big stretch yeah, and, and he didn't get Superman, to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Nuri felt, and I tipped Nuri to, to start well, um, and they did come out like a big fresh new puppy they were in a new house they were like this is amazing i'm so good like i'm scoring wonder goals this is easy and then carrick just turned the screw and really that's when their premiership experience and quality told through it was a poor goal that nuri conceded it was a quite some of that glen avon goal big long throw and then this is what curtis allen brings a team like carrick he was just there in the six yard box to poke it in Happy days. It's 1-1. He was actually behind the defender, but just sort of like sneaked a wee leg around the side to book it in. It was just all of that experience. I don't know who the defender was, but it was just that wee bit of uh, premiership know-how and maybe just that wee bit of desire. Like, no matter, like, Curtis Allen was not getting beaten to that ball. The ball came yep. in and he wasn't missing it. And it just shows the quality that he still has. And uh, could be a big player for Carrick this season. You do sort of wonder, I always wonder players like that, a bit like Andy Waterworth joining Glenavon last season, you wonder how much service are they going to get? Um, do you know, and I think that was maybe uh, a bit of an issue for Andy last season, you know, absolutely deadly in the area, but you, you sort of think, well, how many chances is he, is he going to get led on a plate for him? So, uh, but Curtis has shown that any that he does get, he's, uh, he's not going to miss too many of them. No, about Ben Tilney will be his best mate this season if he's going to get double figures for sure. Uh, and then second half, somewhat route one. It was a big long ball. I think it was from a free kick potentially from Carrick. And, you know, there was Stevie Gordon just to knock it in. He, he took it at the far post, headed across goal. The Newry keeper Maguire sort of got caught in his feet, but it was always going into the to the far post and then and uh proper goal. Nothing yeah, pretty about it. It was just a big big oil hoof and a big oil head. Big uh, oil hoof and not even a very powerful <laughs> header. Just a wee loopy one. It just sort of goes in. So un- unfortunately Newry well not if you're a Carrick fan, Newry go home back down to the Morns with an unfortunate loss. Carrick will like that. They're going to have a different set of opposition when they face against Cliftonville. But Nuri, they've pretty much stuck with their team that got them up from the championship. I was always impressed with them when I did see them the odd time in the championship. I think they're fast and they've got this explosion to them. But I feel as though they lost concentration in waves and that perhaps they're not as defiant at the back compared to their people around them. So it's that kind of case where I think they're going to have to outscore their teams, and I think they have the players to do it. Mm-hmm. But unless they get going, it could be what we saw last season with like some warm point. All of a sudden, you're lots of games in, and you're very low points total. I think Nuri are uh, Portadown's one great hope for, for this season, really. <laughs> um, uh, in terms of Nuri players, though, the most exciting one for me is Jamie Clark. I cannot wait to see Jamie Clark playing to see how good he, I mean, if he's half as good a soccer player as he was a Gaelic footballer, he's going to be absolutely cracking. And so you look at the other players who have come over, like Owen Bradley didn't start playing Irish League football until he was maybe 28. And Matthew Fitzpatrick's come over uh, fairly late in the day and is a brilliant striker for Glenavon as well. And now Jamie Clark's made the move. Like, I genuinely am really excited to see how, how good he can be in the Irish League. So what you're saying here, Gareth, is that there's still hope for me. 
I think like, this <laughs> this sudden this sudden surge up the league at, at uh, whatever dodgy skill that I have. Uh, no, uh, so for those who don't know, Jimmy Clark has signed for Newry. Jimmy was I'm not I'm really across it, but a real star player for Armagh. For Armagh, yeah, yeah, uh, like, like really, he's one of the headline GA players of the like when he was playing. Um, Armagh's best player by a country mile went and played in New York for a while and just. Uh, it was one of the top players in Ireland, really, and not far off that, that level. So when you're talking about pedigree, and like I don't think it's offensive to say that Owen Bradley or Matthew Fitzpatrick didn't have that GA pedigree behind them when they came over. So I, I am so excited to see how that one goes. Insert over the bar joke here. Uh, I cannot believe that this is the last one on the running order, but it kind of just had to be uh, a game which I said last week, neither team wanted to lose. I don't think either team wanted to win it. A big, packed out curtain raiser, get the cliches out, for uh, Lauren Glentorn. It was a tepid affair, to be kind. And they just cancelled each other out and didn't find any rhythm. I highlighted it slightly with the David McDade chance where he just didn't rattle at home. There was a big chance uh, for... Jed Donnelly at one point in the game and he, he breaks free of a marker. He's rushing in just from the edge of the box. He's got the goal right in front of him and his shot just sort of trickles. It's easily picked up and you got to think if that was two months, even three, four weeks into the season, yeah, he 100%. buries that. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 he's just an automatic pilot at that stage. He probably doesn't even think about it. He just sticks it in the back of the net without it uh, without it even reaching brain level. You know, it's just automatic. Whereas just at the start of the season, things are just still still fighting their rhythm and uh, a costly one for Lintour, obviously. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine he will miss too many chances of that calibre as the season goes on. Same, somewhat for bonus, I'll be his real chance was a ball was swung in and he was in just outside the six-yard box, a big header, and it just... If he got it on target, I think it's in, but it just seemed to go wide. A shame for, for, for him there. I was really impressed when Daniel Kearns came on. He just seemed to get the ball and push, almost like how Lee Lynch, ironically, was for Cole Rain. Kearns just seemed to come on, get the ball, and was like, right, just grabbing everybody else, going, you run out there, you run out there, and, and we'll get this ball forward. And and if there was a team near the end, he was going to win it, it looked like Lauren. Um, Mick McDermott had a few words to say about an elbow from Lauren's Mark Randall. What, what's your view of it? It seems one of those things where the ball comes up, both players come up, and one player's coming down with their head in their hands. I don't like to see them being given, I must say. No, I think I think it was it even Mick himself who had sort of said, you know, there's a fine line between players just jump that players have to jump with their arms. There's a fine line with an arm going up uh, between that and it being intentionally thrust towards an opponent. So, uh, if Mark Randall says that the uh, he didn't mean to do it, then Mick and Lintorin were quite happy to take him at his word. But uh, it didn't look great, uh, as I said, in watching the match on Friday. So I just did a, a quick look at at the highlights and saw it there. It didn't look didn't look great now the arm was was definitely uh, very raised at the uh, 
it didn't look great. He's probably lucky enough because um, the referee has to make a call there himself as to how much intent there was. And I'm not saying that there was any intent, but certainly you could have understood if the referee's interpretation of it was that there there might have been. So I think it was possibly flip of a coin for the referee that one. And, and Mark's probably fairly lucky. I don't know if I heard Tiernan Lynch, Lawrence manager, talk about this, but does Mark Randall qualify as not that kind of player? No, he absolutely does. He absolutely <laughs> does. He's one of the nicest men. He, 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 he's not that kind of player. You know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for a manager to be like, insert other player here. Oh, well, he is the type of player to do that, so fair enough. He's smoking out. Uh, no, you go. You're innocent if in my eyes, Mr. Does that this season, we'll, get, we'll give you kudos because it'll be very funny. It's clipping up and it's going to the start of this intro of this show every single time. It Red might card. Be libelous. Might he's, be libelous, he's that type of player. <laughs> <laughs> the Niffle Premiership is the bread and butter of this podcast. In fact, it's pretty much the full three courses. But if only for my own knowledge alone, I think a brief overview of the championship and beyond wouldn't go amiss. A brief jaunt if you will. So, for the first, and potentially very last time, let's indulge in some Championship Cabaret. For those who don't know, the Championship is the league below the Neville Premiership with 12 teams and all going well if you win it, or maybe finish second, and you have the appropriate paperwork, very important, you too can tread the grassy boards every week with the big boys. So, let's get acquainted with our cast of characters. It was also game week one for the championship this weekend and favourites Warren Point Town fluffed their lines on opening night, losing away to a feisty lock all could be dark horses for the title this year. Meanwhile, last season's premiership playoff losers and the United of Portadown not their full name, picked up where they left off dispatching the artists, formerly known as Knockbreed of Parish. Again, not their full or even their real name anymore. Nal Curry's Dundella saw off Institute thanks to a second-act goal from Chris Rogers, while Ards secured three points away to Harlan Wolfwelders with a 2-0 win. It was goalless between Ballyclare Comrades and Ballinamala United, and current leaders are Newington. The Premier League Intermediate Champions running out 4-1 winners against Dergview in Belfast. A stunning debut performance. Save your roses for the Swans. But before we close the curtain on the cabaret this week, I'll leave you with news of opportunities to stream some matinee performances. As many as up to 10 Championship and Premier Intermediate games are set to be live streamed across the season on the NI Football League website. No monocles required, most appealing. And if that wasn't all exciting enough, it's time to dive into another new feature on this third episode of Kicking Match. Hello and welcome to Fantasyland. It's very nice to have you, football nerds, as well as people that can't be bothered skipping this part of the episode. I am in fact going to be talking about Fantasy Irish League Football, where players get you points and it's very frustrating to pick your team every week. So to break it down, 
we're looking to pick players. We're looking to pick players that are going to play more than likely the full match. That's going to get you points. Getting wins, that also gets you points in this Niffle Fantasy Football game. You can, of course, play this on the NiffleFantasyFootball.com website. Yellow cards, they ain't good. They get you minus points. Assists, they're great. They're getting you points. Goals, clearly, they get you points as well but of course we've got a budget to think about and 15 players to sneak all in and as well of course you've got to remember only two players per team that's the difficulty of it all and if you've played it for game week one you'll have some idea if it's working out well for you if you have ben kennedy of crusaders you had a cracking start to game week one he was the top scoring player of that game week with 17 points although he does cost 9.5 paul heatley costing nine got 14 also evan mclaughlin is one of the players unsurprisingly on the best team list getting 14 points a mere 5.5 plenty of you guys are going to be picking him up to see how he slots in this game week two especially against Portadown at shamrock rounding out the team of the game week and remember you couldn't add all these players because there's way more than two per team Johns of Linfield had 10 in goal. Stevie Gordon from Carrick picked up 11 thanks to that goal. Billy Joe Burns got 9. O'Rourke got 9. Both Crusaders. Roscoe Byrne got 9 for that clean sheet and that win against Portadown. Kirk Miller got a goal as well. He was up to 13 points. A brilliant performance from him. And again, unsurprisingly, after getting 4 goals for Tainan and Devine, picking up goals and assists in that game, they were both on 11. How will they fare going into this week? A tough one if you had Gareth Dean of Coleraine as your goalkeeper. He didn't start at all. Seems to be a minor injury and should get into the side. Although, for one game week, it's probably an idea to swap in a keeper to guarantee some points. Saying that, defence could be the place where you could pack in plenty of players who could get you great returns. There is no fault or minus points for the amount of goals scored. And if you can sneak in a few players that are guaranteed to play, maybe the likes of Portown left back, and I hope this is right, Akiyotu, could be on to a cheap player who's going to continue going, and he's only 4.5k. To wrap up this first little soiree in Fantasyland, I'm looking up top. That Balamina versus Dungannon game feels like we're due a couple of goals, and maybe that's a place where you could get a striker to bang them in i'm looking at the likes of reese campbell he's a big player in the kick and match dreamers he's 7.5 and he got a goal a great goal against crusaders and it's likely if there's going to be any score for dungannon to be involved somewhat in goals there paul mcelroy is 1k more at 8.5 he's currently sitting as the third highest striker in regards to points he got eight if he's going to bang them in, maybe he'll want to do it in Dungannon. Whatever you do, all the best. And let me know who's going to be in your fantasy team this weekend. I hope all the players in your team scored as much and you're not doing any hasty transfers out there. Mr. Hannah, you made reference to that old English Premier League fancy football while on the radio uh, I, I believe you i i'm going to suspect you're a martinelli owner 
I have Martinelli, yes, and I think going to mention. I think I mentioned it twice because I mentioned that because I was very relieved because I also have Saliba from Arsenal. And he scored an own goal, so uh, <laughs> that was met with some consternation on the radio. <laughs> and then, uh, yes, Martinelli scored, so I was relieved at that. My my English fantasy team's doing very well. After yesterday, I was first in the BBC League and third in the Belfast Telegraph League, so uh, I'm doing pretty well. But. Uh, I don't have a, an Irish League fantasy team though, um, oh. purely because I'm not organised enough to have set it up in time. And then it was about half seven on Friday night, and I suddenly realised that I hadn't done one. So anyway, I couldn't enter the Sunday Life one anyway because I'm a Belfast Telegraph employee, so I well, won't be able to win anything. But uh, I should have done the Niffle one that didn't. I'm, so I'm sorry. I'm sure I didn't. I'm contractually tell- obliged to say the Sunday Life one's the best one. Well, I don't need to tell you that I am a two-time Sunday Life fantasy Irish League manager of the month. Two time. Oh, I wow. I was I believe I was potentially the first ever manager of the month in yeah, whatever it was September. Uh, all yeah, spurred on. All spurred absolutely, mate. Uh, all spurred on by a young Stuart Dallas who was for some reason 150 quid, but had just been brought in and he was doing brilliant. And I think Kevin Braniff was a main player and maybe somebody else. So I was the very first one. Uh, there's an old photograph of me sitting there uh, all happy with myself. There was a different sponsor at the time and I got an old case of slightly out of date beverages. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he, here here is what I looked like when I first won it. They, you can yeah, see it great. online. First place. Like Justin Bieber. That's yeah, pretty much. Anybody can't see uh, it. Uh, was pretty much 10 years ago to be fair and uh oh i had okay uh, my team was uh andy coleman bj burns i think maybe his linfield at the time andy hunter was that fra mccaffrey michael smith i think dallas mcmullen again who was for dice playing at the time harkin braniff and what is how long ago was malloy was partnering oh wow <laughs> partnering yeah, kevin braniff and then <laughs> a few years later i won it again and it was the first month as well i start strong and i do I nothing would. And last year, I was top of the league until I was top of the league until like the week before. So I almost won it again. And but you again, I picked good team. Uh, recommendations here, and well, I'll real pedigree. I'll leave this here because I, I love this because the title uh, that Mister Conor McLaughlin did because I was first first the week before, and uh, the title, the big framing was cinnamon sticks. <laughs> that's a headline right there cinnamon sticks Very at the top good. of the table nobody uh, like Connor for a headline <laughs> uh, but I forget all that there's games he played here uh, within fantasy but most importantly on the pitch uh, the first one of game week two starts this Friday Glen Torn are back on Fridays except they're playing at the Oval and they welcome Crusaders Crusaders are even after one game white hot form do you feel there's a difference maker here? Is this about... I find that one very hard to call, to be honest. Both They're possibly the two most settled teams in the top six, are they, from last season? I mean, there hasn't been two widespread arrivals there at either club. Crusaders obviously started so well. I don't know, do you think? I think if you were pushing me, I would say I might fancy Crusaders to win that one. Um, Glentoran didn't finish the season overly impressively. Just struggled to get going on Friday night. Yeah, I think uh, I think if you were pushing me, I would uh, I would tip the cruise for that one. I think so. I think a game like this, confidence and flow is really important. And as much as they had a very let's call it cohesive preseason, Glentorn is focusing on no other distractions in regards to Europe. I think Lawrence showed that they haven't 
got their mojo rocking and rolling and I can see Crusaders going in there, bit between their teeth going, we're going to go at you, we're going to go hard and they're just going to, players like Heatley and Kennedy are just going to be the difference maker in that. It will be similar to last Friday, I think it'll be tight, it'll be nippy, but I, I think in a way win there, just Stephen Baxter's white hot form, especially after Europe, I, I can just see that continuing. Yeah. Stick with a hot hand, as they say. Yep. <laughs> uh, we go to Solitude, where Cliftonville are welcoming Carrick Rangers as a part of Saturday's 3 o'clock slate. Cliftonville will want to come back here and, mm. and write what they will see the wrongs from the weekend before. They're cracking at home, really. They, they don't lose games like this, do they, at home? No, very, very rarely do they slip up at home and there's no way they're going to be as bad as they were on Saturday two weeks in a row. I will be absolutely astounded if Cliftonville don't win that one with, with no disrespect to Carrick, but Cliftonville are going to be absolutely livid as to how they played on, on Saturday. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of early goals in that one because I think there'll be a lot of, uh, of pent-up frustration coming out from a Cliftonville perspective there. Carrick won't be going there They'll be set up, ready to take on the onslaught. And I, I think they'll probably have a bit too much for them, unfortunately, for Carrick. And I think Cliftonville will will take that. We go to Stangmore Park with its lovely new surface. Balamina comes in, potentially with a lot of changes. If uh, David Jeffrey has anything to do with it or he'll pick the team, he'll give them right telling off and send them out. No doubt Dean Shields will be sending out a team who will... Uh, have had a few words spoken to them regularly here. I say this would be a close game, and I think yeah. potentially... It's an interesting one for Dungannon, because this is the type of game that if they want to move to that next level, then at home to Balamina, a team just above them in the table, these are the games that they now have to win to say, if they want the challenge for that seventh place and the, the last European playoff spot, which is probably, I would guess, uh, not too far away from what they think they could be capable of then they have to, at home to Balamina, these are the games they have to start winning. So I think uh, it's a very important one early on for Dungannon. But uh, as we said earlier, then um, they would need to, to, to settle into the season quicker than they look likely to uh, on Saturday. I would say this is a score draw, potentially a few goals from each side. Dungannon trying to sort it out at the back and Balamina just potentially taking all goals from the likes of Reese Campbell and, and, and Ryan Mays. But yeah, but I, I would say I don't like to do draws, but I'd say it could be a few goals, but ultimately evening each other out. Mournview gets rocking and rolling. They welcome Lorne. They'll be without Doyle, clearly, and without Bradley. How have Glenavon fared against Lorne? Has, has it been a bit of a mixed bag for them? or? Uh, that's a good question. I, uh, I can't think back now to, to how the... Uh, the recent games have gone to be honest but you know do you think this is this the season that lauren have to really step forward and look like they're in a title race after christmas because they put something they probably haven't really done so far and and they've been in the league for enough years now you sort of think right i'm sure they're like, there's a lot of investments going in there and sooner or later they're going to want to bring the gibson cup back to uh do for that i think this is also a very very important game for lauren but i think one that they might just just have enough to to get over the line in i can see glenavon frustrating them and i think glenavon are uh, uh, one of their key strengths is their ability to counter attack to drive you have players like 
Garrett and then you have Peter Campbell who just scary on the ball when he's rushing on towards you and Fitzpatrick in the box to fire at home and if Lauren can set up and just pelt the box with balls and with intricate passing at some point bonus and or O'Neill will want to get firing for Lauren yeah in the same way where I feel as though Glentoran didn't find their rhythm after that game I felt near the end Lauren did and Lauren will come into this going nothing but three points will do here and I think they, they could just get the goals to, to get it over the line yeah Corian dander over to Shamrock Park Porter Line looking to pick up the pieces after again like I said I, I don't think it was a thrashing of 4-0 I just think it was an efficient taking down I Michael Clark joked that uh, this fixture last season was one of the most boring matches he's ever been to uh, I, I think with all that attacking talent Porter Line will look to frustrate Corian I just think they're way too in form and if Portadown were seeing ghosts with the likes of Joel Cooper coming in from the wings, they're going to equally be as troubled by the likes of whoever they fire up, McLaughlin, McCrudden, McKendry. How, or even if they can, Portadown deal with this? Do they have a chance here at all at home? No. <laughs> Um, no, I just can't see it. I just can't see it with how good Corian uh, looked on Saturday. And as good as they were, you still felt that they had an extra gear or two within them. It still felt like uh, it was an early season sort of thing and that the Corian can and will be even better than they were on Saturday. So that being said, it's going to be very difficult for, for Portadown, even at home. It would be a massive, massive upset if Portadown were to take anything from this game. Massive hope is that they just get caught up in that, if there was a hope for Portadown, that grass pitch at Shamrock slow them down and, and just hope that they can do what they did earlier on in the season and, and bore everybody in the in the ground to, to sleep. But they go, I think we get a draw through absolute determination. Yeah, uh, again, I think Portadown are finding their feet there. Corey know exactly who they are and what they want to do. They want to take two for two, six points, and they more than likely will. A second Sunday for Linfield after their last Sunday success. This time they go down uh, to the showgrounds of Newry. This will be exciting for Newry. First time back again in the Premiership after a couple of seasons out. I think people really underrate the showgrounds uh, as, an, as an away place to go. You know, it's got, got a few of the stands... Not that that has any impact on how Linfield will play, I think. Um, no, it's a nice and tight ground, though. I, I'm with you. I like it. It's a good old-fashioned Irish League ground, and everything's quite tight in there. Uh, it's a yeah. bit like Dungannon. It's like, it doesn't look the prettiest, but to watch a game in, it's brilliant. Uh, there'll be some crazy games played there over the season. Just because I've seen this lion live uh, in person uh, on the Sunday there, I think this Sunday, despite they'll have that big game midweek, they can rest players here and they'll still scare the life out of Newry. Might not be a thrashing. It'll just be like we see with, with big teams in the Premier League. Just a dismantling and just better play, stronger players. And they'll they'll whittle you them would down. Expect to. You would expect to. I mean, we've always said in the Irish League of recent years that anybody can beat anybody. And it's still true. But also, I think with the full-time aspect coming in, it is getting more difficult than it ever has been to see... Uh, real upsets in terms of uh, a relegation fighting team 
beaten the likes of Linfield or Lintour, and it's it's just it's probably the most difficult it's ever been for them. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a brave man. He's going to predict anything else than a a fairly comfortable Linfield win there. It feels like if it was to be anything bar a win and a somewhat win with ease, albeit. I was there, I've spoken about this, for two of Linfield's games against Warren Point last season. One at Windsor, one uh, at Milltown. They got a draw, and my goodness, you needed Ethan Devine to get that header fairly late on to, to seal the points. So, Linfield were draw specialists last season. I think after what I saw at Windsor on Sunday, that's not going to be as much of a problem. I think they're more dynamic and, and pulsy and, uh, look... If it's anything less than a win for Linfield, it's one of those results that will be talked about by people like you and I uh, <laughs> for a long time. So, welcome to the Premiership, Yuri. This is what you wanted. This is what you asked for. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Just quickly on, on, on the Sunday note, there seemed to be a decent, well, there was very much so, a, a decent attendance uh, at Windsor on Sunday there. Just generally as a fan, how would you feel about Sundays being as regular as the Fridays? We have this selection of games where we have the one Friday, four games on Saturday, one on the Sunday. We had it in game week one, we're having it in game week two. I know Linfield are somewhat being pushed into the Sunday games because of Europe and obviously could be playing there all the time if they were to qualify. Just as a fan, the idea of it being played every week, how does that sit? Would you just feel like, mm, don't know, or you like it? I think it's worth a try. I don't really... <laughs> Takes a bit of getting used to as as a fan. If you're thinking that's Sunday afternoon and I'm heading off to an Irish League game, it just seems a bit strange because it's not what we're used to. But I mean, uh, it's worth a try. And the, the Irish League should be trying and are, are trying. I know um, the league's been very very proactive in recent years and trying different things and have been doing such a great job marketing the league and improving in the attendances as you were talking about at the start of um, at the start of the podcast. So why not? Let's give it a go. Let's see how it works. It, it might be one of those things, as the Friday night games are, that they work really well for certain teams and they work not so well for other teams. Um, it might be one of those things. Um, but certainly, yeah, definitely open to uh, open to giving it a go. Although not too many, because we need to leave uh, enough on Saturday afternoons that we still have good games to cover on the radio. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Uh, three o'clock on the Saturday. I think there's there's magic, regardless of if I'm behind the mic or on the other side of a, a speaker. There's something about the magic of the Irish League and the drama all happening. But in turn, you know, four games may be enough and you have one here, one there. Wrapping it all up, Gareth, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure. No problem. Thank you for having me. An honour to be the uh, the second guest. Well, you're the you're the first one to get into the nitty gritty, the meat and potatoes of, of absolutely of proper game week action. If they have loved the thoughts you think and the things you say, how can they find other musings on social media from yourself? I am at Gareth Hanna eleven at Gareth Hanna one one on uh, Twitter, so you can find me there. Amazing! Thank you so much, and I'll chat to you soon. Thank you very much. And that rounds out an absolutely massive episode of Kick and Match. Sure, it was the first game week of the season. There was so much to talk about. But thank you very much. You're still here. Cheers for listening. 
like I've said before, if you've got this far, you may as well engage. I know exactly when a new one of these come out. You can do that across social media. Search for Kicking Match on Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. You can find this on Spotify, Anchor, as well as a variety of different platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Please do get in touch if your heart so desires. I would love to hear from you, be it uh, through a DM on Twitter or on email. That's a cracking place to do it. If you want to contact me in any way, you can do that via email. It's kickingmatch at gmail.com. I will be back again sometime next Tuesday. Hopefully, I'll see you then and enjoy a match if you're getting out to see one. Till then, chat soon.